The Chicago Bears are back and training camp is underway. And while there are plenty of questions that this team has to answer, training camp won't answer all of them. But which questions are most important? I bring on Kari Thompson, Patriots beat writer and massive Bears fan, to list out our top three burning questions that we want to see if training camp can't give us an answer to. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And it is good to be back as we get post-offseason into training camp content started. I wanted to bring you the best of the best, so I've got Kari Thompson of the Patriots Beat over here to talk about some Chicago Bears burning questions. Kari, I don't know about you, but the most frustrating part about the offseason is that we have all these questions. What is Ryan Poles going to do about the offensive line? How is Justin Fields going to develop? We've got so many questions, and training camp comes, and and we're not going to get answers immediately, are we? But there are some questions I think we can start to think about that maybe training camp will teach us about. You know what I mean? Yes, sir, I do, as a matter of fact. And, and look, we're going to preface this by saying that the only question that any of us really wants to know about is, is Justin Fields any good, yep. right? You know, is is he is he the guy? All that. We, we got that. So we're going we're gonna to talk about some other things first. You know what I mean? <laughs> Completely uh, but, agree. Yes. Uh, so, so look, you, you want me to jump into this right I now? Do. I, can, I can. All right, I can jump into this right now. So, look, w- the first question that, that came into my mind, aside from Justin Fields, right, though he's related mm-hmm. to Justin Fields and, in, in, you know, in the offensive perspective is, is Velas Jones Jr. more than meets the eye? Ooh. I asked that question because, look, when, when I was watching him in college, and, and he didn't have amazing stats or anything like that. It, it was his his uh, senior season, his, his uh, sixth season in college, yeah, his, his last season at Tennessee, right? It was like 807 receiving yards, you know, 822 overall uh, receiving yards, and, you know, good kick return yardage and punt return yardage. So he's an all-around weapon there. But I, I felt like I was looking at him like, man, why didn't they throw him the ball more? I, I don't know. I just like it, it just it just felt like he was by far their most dynamic playmaker on offense. And and you could see maybe a little bit of like, OK, the skill set was maybe still a bit raw. Right. Like, like right. The, the, the routes that they were asking him to run weren't necessarily all that complex, but he was fast. He's tough. Right. And, mm-hmm. and he generally caught just about everything that was coming his way. He could catch it in traffic. He could break tackles. He was your yak guy. He was running crossers over the middle. He's getting the ball out of the backfield, right? But then at the senior bowl, you see him doing one-on-ones against cornerbacks, and you're like, oh, he shook that guy down. What? Right. Like, I, w- I was told Velas Jones Jr. couldn't do that because he ran a bad three-cone time, right? And it's like that, that, was, that was the big thing is that, you know, oh, he's a below-average three-cone time. That means he can't run routes. He's not agile. It's like, oh, no, he looked kind of agile right there. And, and so that's the thing, right? We, we've seen – guys that were never like they weren't great agility like raw agility three cone guys learn how to run routes dk metcalf was one of them you you all remember that you know a clip of him trying to run a hitch route and took like 17 steps to stop or whatever when like when he was coming into the nfl and then fast forward like mid-season like all of a sudden he's running layered routes with multiple you know different stems and you're just like oh look at that 
right, I guess that route running thing wasn't that big a deal, and you should have just taken him because he was good, right? right? Bill, right? Bill Belichick, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, there were like five different receivers that year that you could have taken instead of Nikhil Harry. Um, but hey, anyway, Chicago Bear now. So now you Chicago know, Bear. Maybe there's something there. Hating. <laughs> hey, shouldn't be hating. Maybe all he needed was a fresh start. You know, get away from Tom Brady ruining his confidence. Anyway, look, my my thing is, can they coach Velas Jones Jr. to do more than he was allowed to do, like at certain points in in college, and really get the most out of him? Because I feel like there was there's still some potential in there. Do I think that right. he's all of a sudden going to morph into Antonio Brown or Devonte Adams or Debo Samuel? Like, no, I think that their situations are different. They're different athletes, different football players. I just think this idea that, oh yeah, well, he's 25 years old. He is what he is as a player. Like that's never really true. Right. I mean, with Velas in particular, you're talking about a very strange player. Cause I don't feel like it's all that common that we find a player as short as he is memory serves. He's like five ten, five eleven, and he is 200 pounds. So certainly not built short. Suffice to say. And I can't help but feel like, Corey, the testing numbers match his play style because this is like if you souped up a one-cut running back into a super speed receiver. and The anti-Tariq Cohen? Yeah, more or less. Like, honestly, it, if he, Tariq Cohen is heads, Valus Jones is tails, where Tariq Cohen is the running back that's got all the twitch in the world, and Jones is the, or is the receiver with all the speed that Tariq Cohen, honestly, for as speedy as Tariq Cohen was, he did not have this kind of speed. I mean, Valus Jones took the top off of Alabama. He took the top off of all sorts of SEC defenses during his SEC, or during his Tennessee tenure. And that matters because, I mean, kind of like the NBA, Kari, you can't teach speed just like how the NBA can't teach height. And for all the route running prowess in the world that maybe a guy like Riley Ridley, Daz Newsome, insert your favorite receiver, Tanner Gentry. Like, it could be whatever name you want for a grindy route runner. The speed that Jones has is hopefully a real weapon. And I'm curious to see what Getsy does with him because there's a world where, look, I don't want to bring up Poles' Debo conversation because I don't, yeah. I don't know if I see the Debo thing with uh with Valus quite like he and the offense may but on short crossers on deep posts on deep goes there's a lot of versatility that Valus Jones can offer you and if he could even I think you said this earlier uh before we were recording this but if he can learn to run some option routes where maybe just maybe they deploy him out of the backfield or out of the slot and give him an option to either go cut in or cut out that's probably going to do a lot to free up Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Byron Pringle, and the rest of the Bears receiving core, which I think you'd agree. I mean, anything that can take the pressure off the other guys would be so, so welcome for this receiver room. Oh, definitely. And and I think that what I'll find interesting is if there's the if there's good balance with this receiver room because they don't have elite talent, obviously. But then if you have a diverse array of weapons, maybe that helps offset that the way the Patriots are constructed right now. They don't have the, the best receiving core in the room, but they have a lot of good players and good depth. And they have Devontae Parker, who's your, your big bodied outside X receiver guy. You've got speed guys in Nelson Aguilar and Tyquan Thornton, which is, I mean, Tyquan Thornton, you know, is a speed guy. Like that's an understatement. That's as speed as he gets. 
that that dude is is hilariously fast. Uh, I I will I will talk about how fast he is all day. But okay, let's, <laughs> let's do something else. Right. Um. And then and then you've got Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers, who are your more reliable slot guys, like possession receivers. But I mean, Kendrick Bourne, huge big play guy. Mm-hmm. And Jacoby Myers is basically not so much yak, but he's just going to go in there. He's going to catch the ball on third down. It'll take a hit. It doesn't matter. Right. He's just he's just going to get the job done for you, more or less. And, you know, with the Bears, they they've got kind of the discount, the dollar store version of that, though. I think that <laughs> Darnell Mooney is he's quite possibly better than any receiver that they have on that team over there in terms of like completeness and and, and big play. Threat he's good. Kind of rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Um but I think then you, you've got Darnell Mooney, you've got Nikhil Harry now who, I mean, he's a big body. I mean, we'll see if, if he can do anything over here that he wasn't able to do with uh, with the Patriots. But then you've got, you know, Byron Pringle's kind of your big slot, tough guy. And again, third down target, um, you know, somebody who, who I think that can be, you know, reliable for Justin Fields. You've got Vilas Jones, who's, who's another speed guy like Darnell Mooney, but a little bit of a different type, right? Maybe not the layered route runner right now, but, you know, yeah, guy is going to break some tackles and bust big plays. I mean, he's he's the fastest dude they've got right. in, in that receiving core. I mean, that that's that's like 4-2 speed, right? You know, 4-2, four, four, low 4-3 speed, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then if you get anything out of Equinemius St. Brown, I mean, again, he's another guy where it's like, I mean, in college, anyway, he was a he was a yak guy, you know, big, tall, you know, catch radius, um, you know, yak dude. It's just a matter of can he actually catch the ball, right? right? And then you know, Cole Komet, who's I've been hard on Cole Komet for a while, but I think that if he can be kind of what he was with Justin Fields, what he was kind of developing into, it's like pretty average, right? I mean, at least gets open during zone or like against zone, even if he's not getting open during man. I mean, there are uses for that. So balance, I think, is going to be the key. Yep. And like you're saying, I loved this question. Is Valus Jones more than we think he is? Because you know what, Kari? He doesn't have to become a number one wide receiver. He doesn't need to become the Bears super specialist in every role. Right now, he's pigeonholed as, I mean, it's coarse to talk this way, but you could think of him as the wide receiver three. And if he can just do a little bit more than most wide receiver threes, I think it helps give the offense just a little bit more dynamism. And that's really all we're looking for. But that's just question number one, Kari. I know you got two more. What is your second burning question? So my second question is going to be, how good is Kyler Gordon? So I was you know watched a bunch of Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie at Washington and Trent McDuffie was the guy that that everybody looked at as you know that that's your first round pick you know that's your potential shutdown corner right like speed athleticism and and kind of all of that and Kyler Gordon was like okay you know he's got the tools but where's the production right and 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 I think you 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 see that a little bit with Kyler Gordon really like two career interceptions or something like that at Washington and you're kind of wondering okay where's where's the rest of it right but I think as an all-around player there's a solid there I don't know I feel like there's a solid argument that Kyler Gordon's going to be better than Trent McDuffie Mm -hmm. and the fact that he ended up in the second round is going to be a steal because you look at some of the things he does in the run game like the way you can move him around and his toughness I mean there was a play against Michigan where he's getting blocked on the goal line, where I think it's like like a fullback or, or like a pulling guard or something like that hits him. 
and I swear it's like that dancing background like almost like comes in where he's like almost on the ground and he like almost like break dances out of this block and makes the tackle and I'm just like how many cornerbacks are you seeing doing something like that? Just like have the raw athleticism to even be able to stay on their feet on that kind of play, let alone actually Mm -hmm. like make the tackle. Yep. Right. Like that was just something else. And then again, the, the, the leaping ability, he he has the hands, like he has all the movement skills that you want. Like, I feel like that is the kind of guy who can develop into a true lockdown in in time i think like there are little nagging injuries and little things with him that are a bit concerning but i don't know i i feel like when i watch him like yes the the production on the ball you you want to see more of it and maybe it was just because teams decided to run at those corners more than throw at them because they had such a a dynamic duo Mm -hmm. but i don't know i'm just really curious to see how good of a cover man he is because i think the potential is is star level for Kyler Gordon. I really think so. I mean, I can't help but agree with you, Kari. To me, injuries are everything. I mean, obviously we've gotten some, let's say, spotty reports about Gordon's health. And, hey, the best ability is availability when it comes to the NFL. But to be really honest, man, I mean, I find the production question, especially when it comes to college corners, so weird. Because truly, I don't think I care that the, I don't know, a quarterback at Iowa threw two interceptions to some player that doesn't make him, that doesn't make him automatically an NFL star, right? But Kyler Gordon, I don't know if you saw what I saw on film, Kari, some of the movements he makes would shear me in half. My hips cannot do that. My knees cannot do that. Like the way Gordon moves is just, it's so wrong, it's right. Like he's fluid on another level. I agree with like you. He can, yeah, he can literally do things that physically other people cannot. And right. I mean, like he, he was—he was a competitive dancer growing. Like I was at the combine, like sitting at the podium while he's talking about this. People were so intrigued, and and you know, he's, he's a competitive dancer growing up. But the other thing that he talked about is that he did kung fu as well. Oh my goodness! Right, just like the the, the, <laughs> the flexibility and just like the, the the number of things that like he could just like do. From, from a flexibility standpoint, from just right. like a pure move standpoint, like, I don't know. like and, and yeah, maybe like some of that is just like, oh, that's great. How do you do on the football field? But you can see the things that, that you, you can see that just elite mover ability in the things he does on the football field. Like he's yep. literally just doing things that don't make sense for a lot of people. Right. I cannot wait to see him. And now we move on to question number three. What you got? Borum? or Jenkins and I and here's the thing that might not even be what it ends up coming down to um like maybe like Braxton Jones like pushes for for a role uh you know aside from like Riley Reef and whatnot but but I bring up Bourne versus Jenkins because of the draft that they were in because I'm so curious about what it's gonna say about their direction with their offensive line and what they value because Tevin Jenkins was the higher pick I mean, I think that they had a first round grade on him last year. They would, I think they said they would have taken him in, in the first round if they had stayed at the pick that they were at it was, I believe 20, but they ended up, you know, getting Justin Fields, which I mean, none of us are going to be sad about that. Um, but, you know, he's, he's the mauler. He's the big guy, you know, he's got the athletic potential, the, the mauler, but you know, Larry Borum is, is kind of like the, the smaller school, lesser known guy who's a little right. bit more finesse and got a little bit more mm-hmm. agility to his game. And, and 
you know, when they when they kind of stuck him in early on, I mean, before before he I mean got hurt almost immediately in week one, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, that's not too bad. Like I I can I can be down with this. And then of course he gets hurt, comes back later on, and he has his ups and downs, which is what you would expect. And I mean, Tevin Jenkins had a rough first game back, but I think he clearly got better with time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm curious because it sounds like they're they're kind of they're not making it easy on on Tevin, right? They got him running with the second team and and you know Borum kind of getting first team reps. But we've noted this a bunch of times when the pads come on, that might be where we see the real Tevin Jenkins. Oh, where yeah. we see that part like okay, that's where that guy needs to be in the starting lineup because he he is a dis, he's a displacer. He is he is mean. Like, like I mean, yep. I, I mean that's a very simple way of putting it, but but he, he he's just just a mean, nasty, brutish dude when he gets his hands on you, and, and and he wants to intimidate and 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 just beat your ass. Yeah, right. Just just like let's keep it simple. He wants to kick your ass, and I feel like that's the kind of thing that I don't know, man. I feel like Ryan Poles kind of might want that in his starting lineup. I'm 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 just I'm really interested because I feel like the okay, like, do we, do we value the kind of bigger guy? Maybe he's not quite as athletic and fluid and all that, or are we going to, we going to go with the guy that's a little bit more versatile and, and maybe can get outside and move a little bit. Cause that's right. a little bit more Larry Borum style than Tevin Jenkins. Oh yeah. And to add to the intrigue, Kari, I mean, we got to point out the obvious with Riley reef getting signed today, July 26th. I mean, does that cast doubt internally on both Borum and Jenkins? Does it mean that maybe we've got Jenkins moving to guard? And I only say that because, look, I get it. Everybody wants to take any lineman and move him to guard. I don't think it always works that way. The mauler, the angry man that you just described in Tevin Jenkins, I do think that fits at guard. I don't think Borum fits at guard near as well. Like, Borum would get demoted to swing tackle. He fits outside really nicely, even if not amazingly. But Jenkins, I mean, the question I keep asking myself, Corey, when you bring this up is... Is there a part of you that wonders whether Ryan Poles looks at Tevin Jenkins and sees an all-pro guard? I mean, is there a chance that this guy could be looking at somebody who he doesn't know how he's going to move on the outside, but he can't help but think, gum, if I put this guy in a phone booth and tell him, go just shove the guy in front of you around, don't you think he could do it? I mean, we'll obviously have to see. Yeah, and, and look, I think that all in all, right, you, you talk about starting the best five offensive linemen, right? And and sometimes that means a guy's got to get moved inside or outside or, or, or what have you. Like, that's just going to be kind of part of the deal. I, I think that Tevin Jenkins is talented enough to to play in the NFL and, and to be a starting caliber player if, if you give him the opportunities. I, I think that if they want to see a little bit more from their, from their tackles in terms of athleticism and, and being able to kind of bend and things like that. And maybe Tevin Jenkins isn't your guy, but, but I think you also have to ask the question of if you're talking about like Tevin Jenkins versus Larry Borum. Right. Right. But then you also have to ask the question, if you move him inside at guard and you're asking him to pull, I mean, it would seem like you would want athleticism and and a little bit of movement ability there too. So it's kind of like what, what do you do then? It's like, is to, is Tevin Jenkins going to ever fit into what you want? I personally still feel like Tevin Jenkins can play tackle. I don't see and, why not. And I, and I think, 
And I think that he has more value as a solid tackle than a really good guard. Totally. So, so I would say that his, his the first opportunity he gets, I want to see him at tackle before you move him into guard. I want to see more of him at right tackle, especially um, given that that is kind of where he was a little bit more natural at. Right. And none of this mentions Braxton Jones, who obviously was taking starter reps in. Okay, it's OTAs. They're in shorts, right? Who cares? I care a little bit. I mean, seeing where the Bears are going to line these guys up with between Reef, Borum, Jenkins, and Jones over the next, let's say, two to three weeks, everything leading up to that first preseason game, I'm dying to know. Because who are the best five going to be? Is Michael Schofield going to be one of those best five linemen? I, I don't know. But I get the impression that Camp will tell us, don't you think? I would I would hope so. And I mean, you would think again, right? Like he's he's a veteran. He was you know solid last year, if not spectacular. Um, and people are like, oh, yeah, well, that Chargers offensive line was really bad. It's actually mostly just, uh, I mean, like Rashawn Slater's really good. I think it's right. mostly just the fact that they had injuries and they had Storm Norton, who was hilariously bad Oof. at pass protection on the right side. And you can't, you can't hide that out there, man. He was just getting danced on. Oof. And that's not Michael Schofield's fault no. or you know, Michael Schofield's fault. So I think they've got a, some nice veteran options here that, look, if you rolled into the season with those dudes, I think you feel a lot better than mm -hmm. than what than what you did but if you have one of your rookies or two of your rookies beating out a couple of those solid veteran options now you well better. now you feel even better it's a great problem to have and the the offensive line obviously has been the target of insane levels of scrutiny but we always knew that moves like these were possible and honestly having both moves done before training camp where hey if the right guy gets cut they could still add somebody kari but We'll have to see who it's going to be. I mean, is it even going to be an offensive lineman? Or are we looking at wide receiver? That could be another burning question. Mm -hmm. But I don't have that as one of mine. I have three different questions. And after this break, for a quick word from our sponsors, we'll get into them. Keep it nice and short. Let's get these questions answered. See you on the other side. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with Kari Thompson discussing some burning questions that we want to see if Bear's training camp can answer. And Kari, I'm going to start with a hot button one. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. My first burning question, what to do with Roquan Smith? Because as the Bears enter what seems to be the beginning of a holdout with a guy that Jalen Johnson described as their defensive leader with an expletive before that, in case you weren't sure he was sure, I mean, I'm really interested to see what happens here. I mean, look, I have been no stranger to talking about how the inside linebacker market right now is as complicated as any market in football. I mean, we went from Eric Kendricks getting an extension that gave him $40 million over four years, which was considered top of the market at the time, Kari, to Fred Warner's $20-plus million deal. And now Roquan Smith, I mean... Is there any doubt in either of our minds, Kari, that he's looking for twenty plus million dollars average, uh, like average annual value? So, so what do you do? I mean, you probably have to pay him, right? Unless maybe, maybe you don't. I'm, I'm curious about this whole situation. I didn't expect it to come to this, but now that it has, what are you thinking? Well, I think that 
as is the case with, you know, some quarterbacks, right? And particularly one quarterback in particular recently, Kyler Murray, where it's like, <laughs> look, for, for him, it's it's like you reach a certain threshold of being really good and you you deserve to get paid. You do. And Roquan, no question, Roquan Smith, deserves to get paid. Yeah, Roquan definitely deserves to get paid. The question is, do you do you want to be the team that pays him? I think he clearly has value to this team. The question is, again, like, do you want to 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 have that be a contract that that you're you're investing in when you should be focusing on the offense and Justin Fields and all that? I I still think that that it's worth paying him to be the the head of this defense, the uh, you know an elite talent on this defense, right? I mean, you you got to have that yes. at some point. At the same time, if there was a scenario where you were like, hey, uh, Seattle, you want Roquan Smith and uh, you give us a uh, certain uh, Decalin Metcalf, I, mean, I would probably do that because linebacker isn't as important as elite wide receiver. Um, but unless that situation arises, then I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's hard to just let Roquan Smith walk. I don't know that that's going to, I don't, that doesn't help your football team no. unless you're getting something of equivalent value back Roquan, or greater. Roquan Smith in the barest form of the word Kari is at minimum an asset. I mean, you have to keep him if you're not going to trade him. Right. I think that's what makes this situation so intriguing to me at the very least is there is no scenario where letting him walk is okay. I mean, if you have Roquan Smith, like he can make as much money as you want. You could pay him thirty-five million dollars, and if he's going to play that middle of the line or like middle of the defense deep safety position that we see old school Tampa two linebackers playing, you know what? You're gonna get value out of there. That's really really sweet. We'll go through the last two questions really really quickly because you said I wasn't allowed to say it, so obviously. I want to know if Justin Fields' understanding of the little things got any better, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, sure, we all want to know if he's good. But at this point, like, how is he with calling protections? I mean, you saw Mac Jones advance a long way in that oh, yeah. particular category, right? Yeah, and I mean, even in, in spring practice, like, he's still really good at it now. And I think he's better even than what he was at when the season ended. So I, I think that... Um, that is probably the biggest thing that Justin Fields needs to show because we know he can throw the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not an issue. Yep. And obviously we'll see plenty of those camp highlights. I know I'm just going to be drinking them in. Oh, yeah. But the little things like that, that really matters, especially as we move from talented athletic rookie into professional quarterback, a little bit of that professional demeanor. I mean, okay, demeanor's stupid. I don't, I'm not reading body language. We had Jay Cutler in town for a little while. But just knowledge of the finer things. Like, is he what or are his eyes in the right spots when he pulls somebody across the formation? When he looks at protection, is he able to identify things appropriately? I think training camp may give us a glimpse, but it's a glimpse that I desperately want. And then my final question, Kari, I I know he's been a bit of a lightning rod in Chicago ever since he was the head of a draft class. We've spent way too many words talking about Cole Komet, but Cole Komet is like 23 years old. I mean, third season in the league, and this is his second offseason where he's been a full-time football player. The guy used to run in straight lines during the entire, uh, like, fall and summer, which are because he played baseball. I know Cole Kmet's hips may never become Kyler Gordon's hips, but don't you have to wonder whether this staff can take – because – 
the last staff, for better or for worse, Kari, we used to know them for being poor teachers. I mean, guys lining up wrong, guys not knowing who to block, guys not knowing how to block, guys not playing together, all of those things were the norm. And I'm sure in New England, you've seen something just completely on the opposite. But I have to wonder, if Cole Komet is, I mean, at the very least, energetic, enthusiastic, and ready to block, I wonder if this staff can find a little more out of the former second-round pick, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, again, even last year, like I mentioned before, I was not horribly high on Cole Komet, but I think that there were none, enough glimpses of him last year where it's like, okay, that that's a that can be a serviceable tight end, you know, an average one, or, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe dare I say possibly a slightly above average one. I mean, we'll see, like, he's not going to be like, so the right. ceiling is Travis Kelsey. Get the, get the bleep <laughs> out of here. Okay. Like, like that's, that's absolutely not going to happen. But again, I think that if you make more use of him in, in the red zone and, and you, you get him some, you know, touches where he can get out in the open and run a little bit. Like, I don't know. I, I think that he's also just a little bit of a better route runner than say like an Adam Shaheen was like, if that's going to be one of your comparisons, like he's better than Adam Shaheen sure. already, you know, that's not necessarily a, a high bar to clear, but I, I still think that it's true. So yeah, I, I want to see how this relationship with Justin Fields continues to grow. And I mean, Hey, training camp is also messy. Because if memory serves, this time last year, we were hearing that Jimmy Graham and Cole Kmet were utterly dominant, right? Uh, so, so maybe maybe we'll get a little Might have bit. been because the secondary was terrible. Sure. Maybe we'll get a little too much sunshine. But how they deploy and use Cole Kmet, maybe more importantly, just how Cole Kmet's body changes going from being a two-sport athlete between baseball and football into being a full-time football player. And, I mean, keep in mind, Kari, tight ends traditionally blossom in their third year. As I understand it, like this, this, that is somebody that I know I want to follow because we already know who Darnell Mooney is. And I mean that very positively. And if Cole Kmet can become even a third tier, or like a third level receiving threat where it's Mooney, Pringle, Kmet, I mean, let alone if it's Mooney, Kmet, Pringle, you could start to assemble a receiving unit that it, it starts to creep up closer to average than people realize, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that he's a very underrated key to this because I mean I think you see it out you've seen it out in New England as well. It's not just about the receivers; it's about the tight ends too. Yep. And I feel like if if you want to talk about somebody that maybe Cole Komet's ceiling could be a bit closer to, maybe a Hunter Henry. Yeah. Right. He's never necessarily going to be like a huge big play guy, but a guy who can just get open and you know catch the ball and 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 produce that way and and produce in the red zone. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think that's something that maybe you could you could ask of Cole Komet maybe starting a little bit uh, this year. Absolutely. Kari, we can't get all the answers. Certainly not in before August, but at least we'll start to get some as training camp really starts to open up. For now, though, thank you so much for your time jumping on. Kari, where can folks stay in touch with you? You can catch me at KDThompson5 on Twitter. I'm there all the time, like literally all the time. And I just got a, a new podcast started up on Odyssey called First and Foxborough. That's at First and F-O-X-B-O-R-O -O on Twitter. Feel free to follow that. I'm doing daily Patriots content. And somewhere around October, there's going to be a Chicago Bears bonanza with all my dudes that I hang out with in the yes. group chat. 
probably including this guy at some point. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but I swear it's going to be so many Bears people. You're going to, you, I mean, it's going to be an overload. Let's do it. Bears overload. That's all we ever want, right? Kari, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Your insight is always appreciated. And hey, at some point as camp starts, I'm dying to know what you're hearing about Mac Jones and how we can cross compare it to what's going on with Justin Fields. But that's bod for another day. Yes, most definitely. I'm always down to talk about that. Have a good night, man. You bet. Thanks so much. And Bears fans, that'll wrap this one up. Basic camp preview. Cannot wait to dive deeper into discussion, analysis, Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, this defense, this offense, and everything else that we'll see in the rest of camp, the rest of preseason, and of course, the season itself. I can't wait to dive in with you guys. We're all in this together, but until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. 